proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. This show has become like muscle memory to me. Joe Rokicki, my producer, good friend, going to get beers tomorrow night. We do this thing when we come back from the break where he says in my ear, I've got the guest, do you want me to record them? And I just wonder how many more times we're going to be having that conversation. Wow. It's going to happen with Randy Bauman. Bauman's going to have some great guest, some guy that we could never pull here on the Crowley Show, and he's going to go to Joe, and he's going to say, hey, did you get him? Joe's going to say, yes, I got him. I got Joe Biden. You want me to record him? And a tear is slowly going to trickle down my face. Matt Williamson now joins me from the Steelers Radio Network, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Locked On NFL Podcast. Matt, you also got a new gig. Uh, what Dude, are you doing now? to make me feel? What? I'm a pretty big-time guest. I agree with this. <laughs> You're not Joe Biden. Similar. Same ballpark. That's true. You are both Pennsylvania legends. Indeed. You've got a new gig, too. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, kind of excited about it. NDT Scouting. A lot of you people out there are probably familiar with John Ledyard. He's one of their college scouts. It's a, it's a great draft site. Some young dudes, your age, up-and-comer whippersnappers. And they needed, like, a pro scout, you know, to whenever they do their mocks, does this guy fit the Tampa Bay Bucks scheme? Now, you know, I kind of advise him in that way. That's that awesome. Kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Do I have to pay for that content? Fun. What's that? Do I have to pay for the content? You do not. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, it's dynamite. I'm all for free Williamson. Matt yeah, Williamson. there's one article out already. I analyzed one of the dude's mock drafts, and I urge everyone to check it out. Wait a second. So you're getting paid not to do your own work in this regard? But to look at what somebody else did and critique it, that is outstanding. In a way. I mean, I'm going to write a bunch of free agent reports and pro stuff. Okay. Team needs, that kind of thing. Well, maybe we'll have you on every single Monday and Friday throughout the year. How do you like that, Williamson? That's great. Very good. <laughs> Matt, uh, today it comes out that Le'Veon Bell did not show up for the walkthrough until there were five minutes left the day before the game. Uh, coaches have not been showing up on time. Mike Tomlin wants coaches and players to show up two hours prior to games, and they haven't been doing that. I don't think Mike Tomlin needs to be fired. Uh, and, in fact, he's not going to be fired, so it's not worth discussing. Right. But what kind of trickle-down effect do you think that this has on the performance? Because this is something that can't happen. It's almost as if they're treating this like it's a hobby and not like a job. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, and it wasn't that long ago, 12, 13 years ago, I mean, promptness and timeliness and old-school coaches, I mean, if you're five minutes early, you're late. There's a lot of that antage, you know, throughout the the football ranks for a good reason. I mean, it's a, it's a game that you have to show great discipline in and teamwork. And you're hurting the team if you're not there, if you're not learning, and you're not doing your part. And... I think, I mean, it's hard for us to analyze it, not being in the locker room, but there's some obvious signs that there's some immaturity with this team. You know, who are the leaders? 
Uh, does Tomlin need to tighten things up in terms of social media and promptness and all these things? And I lean towards the answer being yes. Yeah, I think so too. And I had said during the year, Matt, that I brushed like, it off a lot. But me too. I, yeah, but, but not a, anymore. No, at a certain point, uh, it catches up with you. And at a certain point, I, I suppose that the straw would break the camel's back. And for me, this was that. For me, I said, okay, I threw my hands up, and I said, this is enough already. Uh, every damn week there's something that happens, and it's the week prior to a playoff game. It's the day prior to the playoff game. After two days before, he said, yeah, I might retire, or I'm not going to show up if I get the franchise tag slapped to me. That, to me, is when I said, it's enough. So, with that being said, I think Mike Tomlin needs to make the players more accountable and in regular season games maybe lay the law down a little bit heavier and maybe sit a guy when he's being disrespectful you obviously can't do that in the playoff game because you punish the rest of the team now moving past how much did bell play in that first series though that's a really good point I you know what i mean like and we were all like why are they going empty and why is why are they doing all this strange stuff how much did bell play in that first series i'm not sure it's a shame that this all came out now and that we couldn't ask Mike Tomlin about it. That's a great question. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and look at the film. What do you, what do you think about that answer? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you won't, but sure, go for it. Zero <laughs> percent chance thing to say. that on my three-day weekend I go back and look at that film. It is not going to happen. <laughs> and by the way, I'm off on Monday. Tim Benz will be filling in. Uh, Matt, uh, Wavion in my opinion, is a guy that you need to have back. Uh, I'm slapping the tag on him. I'm trying to work something out long-term. If you can't work something out long-term, I keep him on the franchise tag, give him 14 and a half, and say, okay, retire, sit. Let's see what happens here. Uh, I just think in this league, you win with talent unless you're the Patriots. Then you win with Tom Brady making up for all the deficiencies that you have, and you just out-scheme everyone. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I'm not sure how anxious I'd be to lock him up long-term, though. And I still think he's great, don't get me wrong. But he wasn't quite as great this year as he was last year. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. People forget how good he was last year. I mean, he was unbelievable. And we saw fewer chunk, long runs. I mean, not that I'm expecting 80-yarders, but fewer 10, 12, 20-yarders, you know, where you see that burst. And i got to think that the wear and tear on him it has to have an effect. I mean, he's a human being. And I wonder, and I've said this a couple times about him, that when you talk about his career arc, I wonder if his absolute highest point was about this time last year, right before he got injured. You know what I mean? And, and from there it's going to be a slow decline. Not that he's going to fall off a cliff. He's a really, really good player. But I wonder if his pinnacle is behind him. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. I do want him to be around as long as Ben Roethlisberger is around, though. Yeah, think, and here's I my plan, though. I mean, yeah. the problem is, as we saw last year, contract negotiations in the NFL with franchise players is really hard because the agent's just going to say, we pretend like we don't want the franchise tag, but I can just sit here and I'm guaranteed $12 million, $13 million, whatever. The next year I get another 10% on top of that. So I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but you better fourteen and a half for next year, yeah. You better give me what twenty-seven or twenty-eight million guaranteed before we even start talking about a long-term contract. You know, like they have that in their pocket, so that's going to be their starting point. That's a hard starting point to go with if you're the Steelers. Yeah, Matt, you're a lot better at this than I am uh, in terms right. of this kind of stuff. <laughs> I love you. I really. Do. <laughs> and, and taking this step further, I wasn't quite done. 
Oh. And we will talk about this a lot in the next couple months, but it's a very, very deep running back draft. You know, more so than it has been, some really quality players. So I think you tag them, you use a third-round pick on a guy that should have went in the second round, and that's Connor. You know, uh, Connor worries me. Connor gets hurt every time he walks on the field. Uh, and that's maybe Lev backup, maybe that's Lev uh, successor, but I think you add one more talented guy and analyze it a year from now. You're better at that than I am, but you're also better at this, which is what I was alluding to. Could they put a non-exclusive on him and let him get an offer from somebody else? Is that possible? Maybe. I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, you're better than that than I am. Um, oh, no. <laughs> maybe, because the, the, what you get in return can be awfully big in those situations, you know, in terms of draft compensation and those type of things. I mean, if a team like the Browns said, we got so many draft picks in this cap room, we don't care, we'll we'll go get Bell, and then you end up with a fourth pick overall and you take Barkley, you're like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I mean, um, maybe. I'll have to give that more thought. I'm sure we'll talk more on the subject. We will. Think about it. Long and hard. Matt Williamson, the tool man, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Matt, I did want to look ahead to this weekend's games. Um, before we get to that, though, just looking at the Steelers overall, uh, I think that the biggest area of concern for me, the, in in order, I would think, inside linebacker, safety, and then a pass rusher of some sort. Uh, I think Mike Mitchell's got to go. Uh, I think his time is over. $5 million they owe him next year. F that. The guys just didn't get his hand on any friggin' footballs this year. So And right. he talks a lot of smack, so I'm getting rid of him. Uh, inside linebacker, obviously, for the obvious reasons. Uh, what do you think about their biggest needs? Yeah, I mean, I more or less agree. Um, I think Mitchell's a pretty easy cap cut, except, I mean, I know that he was playing on a bad ankle all year. I mean, if your doctors are like, he should have never been out there. He'll recover. He's hurt every year, though, too. You I know? know. I know. I mean, I'm with you. I'm, I'm cutting him 99% of the time unless they're, you know, my team doctor tells me something crazy that I don't think I know. And you save a little money there. Um, your boy Dale thinks Sutton might be the next free safety, which is kind of interesting to me. I, I think that's a possibility. Um, I think he but, probably needs to add a little bit of weight, though, don't you? I mean, yeah, that, which is, look, I mean he's been at the senior bowl. He's versatile. He's smart. I mean, I'm open to that suggestion. But, yes, those would be my team needs. I mentioned running back as one as well, you know, a young guy with some upside. I do think you need to bring in a third outside linebacker type in case Bud still isn't good. And you probably need two inside linebackers, you know, a veteran and a first-round pick. Yeah, so that's where you're going first round. I mean, well, I guess I, mean, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I guess January 19th, but yeah, I'm sorry about that. I was in a meeting today talking about the combine, so uh, which we'll have to text you about, by the way, later. Uh, now, oh, now, great. Now that I remind myself, uh, but you, you are right. I mean, we're very far out there. Um, Even though we're far out there, though, I mean, I, I started this new job a day ago, so I've been digging in the last 24 hours, and I got four or five linebacker names that I think could be relevant. Two or three of them will be off the board, but it looks like from a very far vantage point, linebacker at 28 could really work out well for this team and have more than one option. Deep position inside? Yeah, I mean, and they're not, it's not superstar studded that everyone good will be gone. It's about that range, you know, where there'll be some athletes. And it's probably really smart to have a bridge guy that, you know, in case you don't get your man in the first round or he's not ready on opening day, can hold down the fort. 
As far as safety is concerned, I don't know how much you've looked at the free agent class, but I have not looked at it at all. It's much better than the inside linebacker class. Okay. So if, let's say they were to let Lev walk, and I think that they're inclined to slap him with the tag. I think that's yeah, probably I mean, the most likely outcome. I bet outcome that there. doesn't happen. Yeah. Let's say that he walked and they had the money. Who's out there that you could bring in that could actually put their hand on a damn football? Uh, I think they'll be able, as is the case almost every year, the cap goes up. Now that Ben's coming back, they'll restructure him. They'll sure. cut Mitchell. They'll cut Gay. I bet, like most situ- most years, they'll be able to bring in one B-level free agent. You know, like Alou Alou or better, Ladarius Green or better. You know, somebody from outside the organization, and then some cheap guys after that. You know, the million-dollar year, one-year deal type guys. And safety might be the spot to do that, like an Eric Reed or a Kenny Vaccaro or I mean a couple. Former first-round picks that have a pedigree are floating around out there. Maybe you can pull that off. I'm a Vaccaro fan. I don't know about you, but I am. Really versatile, but he's not, he's not Ed Reed in terms of being a true center fielder. Hey, Matt, who is? Right. If we could pick up Ed Reed, <laughs> that'd be nice. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. Okay, transitioning off the Steelers, because frankly, I'm done with them. I'm done until 6 o'clock when we'll spend an entire hour talking about the Steelers. But, uh, Matt... Uh, this weekend, what's the best Super Bowl that the league would want? I, I say New England-Minnesota. I do, too, but that might be selling Eagles fans a little short. I mean, they're a very impressive group that's only been there once and are jumping out of their skin at this opportunity. But because it's in Minnesota, that's a very cool thing. And from what I understand, the AFC is going to use the Vikings facility and locker room. Like, we were making the joke on SNR, like, what kind of foul things would Gronk do to the Vikings' uh, locker room if he's playing them in the Super Bowl? Like, you know, leave old <laughs> eggs hang behind and stuff like that. You know, like just nasty things. And I Belichick, was... of course, would ransack their place for uh, all the... Oh, every... he, well, he'd leave cameras everywhere. Right, right. Uh, I think that's the best matchup from a casual fan perspective because it's a home game for Minnesota, and then you get the Patriots, the villains, all that And they're really garbage. good. Um, I think that this... Final Four is kind of emblematic of the year that the NFL has had, Matt, where, you know, I don't think that there are as many great quarterbacks as there have been, and maybe I'm wrong there, but at least my untrained eye, just looking at it this year and this year alone, feels that way, and now you've got three out of the four teams that are remaining, they've got great rosters, and the quarterbacks are not great, and I like the fact that teams are able to get this far now uh, without the quarterbacks being that great. Yeah, and I also think all three of those teams have the best three defenses in the league. Yeah. I mean, so that's important. I mean, they're, they're the best three defenses. I'm not sure who number four is. Maybe Which Arizona. defense is best tailored to take down Tom Brady? I think Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just because they have such athletes. You know, they, they don't have a spot that you would attack. Um, if, I, if, right if, sorry, I, I want, want, just to follow. I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, if, go for it. If Jacksonville were to lose this week, if, if New England were to win, was that the best chance for New England to go down playing Jacksonville? No, I still think the Steelers are a harder game well, for them. Uh, no, well, I agree with that. I mean, with the remaining teams. Are you going to go forward? No, Vikings. See, I thought so, too. Just be, I love the Vikings skilled guys. I really do. Yeah, Vikings, I mean, we'll probably get to the game, but I've said this all week, and it sounds nasty and, like, throwing dirt on the Steelers' graves, but I bet Belichick makes Butler and the defensive staff and Tomlin look really bad this weekend by basically yeah. shutting out the Jaguars. You got New England? Yeah. You got New England by a lot? Um, I think they pull away. 
You know, they, I just don't think that they're not going to miss tackles. They're not going to align wrong. They're not going to. They know exactly what Jacksonville does, and they're not going to screw it up. And Jacksonville is going to score ten points or less, and Brady's going to score more than that. Last thing here for you, Matt, because I've take you. I've taken you far too long uh, as it relates to our clocks. Uh, who do you like, Minnesota or the Eagles? I like Minnesota a lot. However, I think that Eagles D-line against a pretty decimated and beat-up and not-so-great Vikings front could be a real problem. And close one, and I think Philly's going to be a real tough place to play. I like the Vikings, and a lot of it's because you mentioned the quarterbacks before. Keenum doesn't belong in the conversation with Brady, but he doesn't involve. He doesn't belong in the conversation with Foles That's and Bortles either. You know, those two are are bad. <laughs> you know, and he's a good quality starter. When's the first drink get consumed tonight, Matt? For this guy? For you, buddy. Well, we got we got uh, girls basketball from six thirty to seven thirty. Get so home. Like six. What's that? So like six? So like 5.45. Very good. All right, buddy, take care. Thanks a lot for coming on. See you, dude. There he goes, Matt Williamson, Locked On NFL Podcast, Steelers Nation Radio and the Steelers Radio Network, and NDT Scouting. Coming up next, Penguins won last night. I was asleep. I need to get filled in on what happened, so Jesse Marshall from The Athletic will tell me what did. It's the Crowley Show. My dude, Stan Saverin, who can be heard from noon until 2 right here on ESPN Pittsburgh, has been kicking it for 43 years on the Pittsburgh airwaves. He tweeted that out this morning. I caught him in the hallway, and he was joking about it. Mike Fraser, who works next door on 3WS, just tweeted Stan and said, Hey, Stan, here's to 43 more. I mean, you never want to say this, but uh, Stan 71. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry, Fraser. You've got to be realistic here. You're going to make Stan feel like he falls short whenever he dies at 105. Penguins played last night. I wonder if Stan stayed up for it. I know he did, in fact. I did not. So Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins us now. And, uh, Jesse, you got to tell me what happened in the game, man. I didn't watch any of it. I guess the thing worth talking about is uh, not the fact that Patrick Hornquist scored twice or that uh, Casey DeSmith was great in goal, or that the Penguins just in general continued uh, their flip-the-switch dominance uh, in the new year. We're going to end up talking about Dustin Brown uh, two-handing Justin Schultz in the back uh, while he was on his knees with the puck nowhere near the play. uh, Two-handed him right into the nameplate, uh, headfirst into the boards. And uh, the NHL today, having spun the wheel of justice, Adam, the wheel of justice, Landed on a ten thousand dollar fine. So, um, yeah, there you go. It's, uh, that's what we're talking about. Instead of uh, what actually turned out to be a pretty decent hockey game that uh, the Penguins played very well in, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Dustin Brown not getting suspended for uh, pretty much a, a flagrantly violent play uh, that has really no place in the game whatsoever. Yeah, I lied to you before. I did watch the game. That was disgusting. Now. What happened is Justin Schultz is lucky to be okay, 
And sure. that, that also he's coming off a concussion. <laughs> he just got back from a concussion, Adam. You know what? So I probably shouldn't even say that. It's lucky that at least to the best of our knowledge at this point, he's okay. I mean, that's not good for a human being to deal with at any time. And it's BS that the National Hockey League deals with these things the way the National Hockey League does deal with these things. As far as what it meant to the hockey game, that pretty much put it out of reach for the Kings because they had to kill a five-minute penalty and see you later. Um as for the Hornquist goals, the first one, Jonathan, what are you doing, man? Yeah, that puck had eyes. It had eyes. Is this um, one of the circumstances, Jesse, where the Penguins are actually starting to get the luck back in their favor? Because you and I have talked before where they have had their issues, no doubt. But the Penguins have also been very unlucky. Uh, I'll, I'll chalk that one up to that. How about you? I would, too. I think you look at their goal numbers over the course of the last two weeks, Adam, and they're there. They're finally there. And the hard work that they've put in, offensively speaking, is starting to bear fruit. And it's about time. I, I, and you think about it, though, if we go back to last year's playoffs, Adam, Penguins couldn't do anything wrong. They could not do anything wrong. They were getting outshot, they are getting outchanced, and everything they touched turned to gold. Uh, so I guess it stands to reason that that ebb and flow of the game, uh, if we want to tangibly follow it, uh, they, last year, they can't do anything wrong. The beginning of this year, they can't do anything right. Uh, and now the, the, the playing field's starting to level out for them a little bit. And the pucks are starting to go into the net. Uh, and, and I think that they've been good enough at a base level. They have to tighten up defensively. They have to. And they have to get better goaltending, which Tristan Jari is providing for them. Uh, they're, they're getting it from him, and I think that's a good thing. So the, the goaltending's starting to come around. They, they have to tighten up defensively. But all they need to do is just – status quo offensively and if that shooting percentage gets anywhere close to normal the rest of the league's in trouble jesse marshall joining me here uh, on the crowley show uh he talked about alexiak on, uh, on the athletic and uh jesse what has been the catalyst for his turnaround uh because he's been a pleasant surprise here in pittsburgh I think the catalyst for all these guys, Adam, so it, it, whether we talk about uh, uh, Jamie Alexiak or Justin Schultz, uh, I think the catalyst for them has been Mike Sullivan's system. Uh, it's not complicated. He has not reinvented the wheel, right? He, what he's come up with is a system uh, that, that defensemen get help when the, when the play is established in the defensive zone. Uh, and the Penguins swarm the puck there, Adam. That's their MO, right? So that, that anytime you have a puck battle, the Penguins more guy than the opposition, right? So they're going to crowd that puck battle. They're going to get in deep, uh, and they're going to try to overwhelm the opposition, uh, which, which I think stands to reason given some of the talent. They got, although guys like Brian Dumoulin and Jamie Alexiak, they're not Chris Letang, but they can skate. Uh, these guys don't look out of place in a system like that. Uh, so I think, A, he's getting help, uh, and I think, B, he's got the freedom to make decisions offensively speaking. Uh, Mike Sullivan has empowered these defensemen. If you're in trouble in your own end, in the forecheck, just skate it. Go. Start the thing yourself. Uh, it's not uncommon to watch Penguins come across the red line with four men strong, one of them a defenseman. Uh, and I think that simplistic, fundamental approach to the game, uh, look, Ken Hitchcock doesn't make things easy, right? Ken Hitchcock is a defensive coach that's got a lot of rules in his system. Certain things, as a defenseman, you just cannot do. He doesn't want you doing them. He doesn't want you joining the rush. Uh, and, and the same, by that token, was true for Lindy Ruff in Dallas. Uh, I don't think that's a system that suits Jamie Alexia. Uh, 
Uh, I think you look at some of the input he gets from guys like Jacques Martin, from guys like Sergey Gonchar, uh, from Mike Sullivan himself, uh, to have the freedom to be able to do what he wants uh, and, and to be able to, to take chances and gamble. Uh, it's paying off. I mean, you you literally are looking at two guys and Schultz and Alexiak, and at this and we'll include Trevor Daly and this system have come, done a complete 180. These are defenses that could not do a single thing right. right. Jamie Oleksiak in Dallas this year, Adam, one of the worst defensemen in the league, period, point blank. And he comes to Pittsburgh, and now all of a sudden, he's one of the, he's one of the best defensemen on the roster. I had data up on the article today. He's limiting shots beautifully. He's limiting scoring chances beautifully. The Penguins have the puck in the offensive zone a ton when he's on the ice. And all of that from starting the overwhelming majority of his shifts in the defensive zone against some of the other team's best players. So it's just it's a complete night and day thing, and this team has just become a defenseman whisperer. Uh, That's what Mike Sullivan and his staff have become. And, uh, you know, once once is a coincidence, two, three times is a trend. Uh, It's just unbelievable uh, to watch what this coaching staff has done with these guys that are coming in uh, from really bad situations just completely turning it around. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic here on the Crowley Show. Jesse, what are the who are the six Penguins defensemen that should be playing, and whom should they be playing with? Well, I think you keep Latang and Dumoulin together. That's your top pair. Brian Dumoulin, sneakily, the best defense in the Penguins have this year, no question. Uh, absolutely been unbelievably consistent from the day the puck dropped, puck dropped in October uh, to today. Um, I, I don't know that you can point to him and say he had a bad game at any point this season. So I think you keep Dumoulin and Latang together. Uh, that now gives us the Ole Mata Justin Schultz combination, which early in the year produced some pretty good results. Uh, you know, the unfortunate reality of the situation for Schultz is that it's been so up and down for him, uh, you know, injury wise. He's not really had a chance to string, uh, a long period of games together with Ole Mata to kind of solidify that as the second pairing. The question becomes, Adam, what do you do right now with Matt Hunwick? Because before Matt Hunwick got paired with Jamie Oleksiak, he was just bad, objectively bad, Adam. There's no debate about that. But as I talked about in the article today, uh, I mean, one of Jamie Oleksiak's strengths that's rubbing off on Matt Hunwick is Jamie Oleksiak is very aggressive in how he controls the gap between himself and the forwards that are bringing the puck up ice on him. Right. This is a big guy got a long reach, right? So it stands the reason he's going to want to get in there straight away and not play it safe. He wants to attack these guys and, and make them uncomfortable. And Matt Hunwick's following suit. He's joining him on that. I, and I think Matt Hunwick's gap control has gotten better by proxy of playing with Jamie Alexiak. And that pairing over the last, and we only have about 85 minutes of ice time at, with that pairing to really examine. But their results in that 85 minutes have been very positive, and they've been Matt Hunwick's best games of the season. Now, if that's going to continue, I see no reason to change it. Uh, but I still think Ian Cole is a better fit there. I still think Ian Cole is the better defenseman. But if they've hit on something and they're winning games uh, and they're putting together a run and Matt Hunwick's being buoyed by Jamie Alexiak, Mike Sullivan's not going to touch that until he gets a reason to. Uh, so I think for right now, this is what you've got. And if it doesn't work out with Hunwick, I think Jake, I think Ian Cole is going to come right in. Jesse Marshall joining me here on the Crowley Show. Jesse, what are your thoughts on Daniel Sprong uh, being benched two games ago and then being sat last night? I don't like it. Um, he's a young kid still. Uh, he's still relatively new to the pro game. Uh, if he does something wrong, 
Uh, I'm okay with sitting them on the bench, but I'm not okay with scratching them afterwards. I think that's what video analysis is for, to be honest with you, Adam. I think if he's doing something you don't like, and I don't know what that thing is, uh, I do think that he got a little, especially when the game got out of hand against Anaheim, if you can fault him for one thing, Adam, it's he's trying to get up ice sooner than he should. So what he's doing is he's anticipating that the play is going to turn from defense to offense, and he's kind of bailing out of the defensive zone too early in a time where it's not safe. Uh, that, that's a result of him being a sniper that is here to score goals. That's what his role is. We shouldn't be asking him to do anything else. Uh, that doesn't give him a free pass to not play defense, uh, but he's doing the thing that he's best at. Uh, if you don't like that, you sit him down in the room, you show him the video, you say you can't do this anymore, uh, and you put him back out on the ice and see what happens. Scratching him, to me, accomplishes nothing. Now, Mike Sullivan's answer to the question made sense in that he doesn't want Jake Gensel playing at center, right? And that's why JSA got caught up, uh, because he's going to play center, and that bumps Gensel back to the wing. But I can't find an area here where I feel like Ryan Reeves should be taking ice time over Daniel Sprong then. I can understand wanting to move Gensel to wing. I can't understand wanting to keep Ryan Reeves on the ice over him. So that's where people start to, to kind of push back on that a little bit and say, like, okay, we get it, but there's still better roster decisions to be made than, than playing Ryan Reeves over Daniel Sprong. So in my opinion, if you're going to sit him, you're a scratcher, you're not going to play him, send him back to Wilkes-Barre. Uh, he needs to be playing. He's still young. Ice time is very valuable to a player of that nature. Uh, so I, I think he's either going to stick up here and get back in the lineup or he's going to go back to Wilkes-Barre, and that's going to be it. Jesse, really appreciate the insight, as always. Uh, love everything you do in the video analysis. Keep up the great work, and hopefully we get a chance to do it here again soon. How's the six-pack coming? Not well at all, buddy. Not okay. well at all. Just wanted to check in. All right. Thank I'm going to get pierced. Have a nice day. Jesse Marshall, The Athletic. Wow. Might be able to make it through an entire show without me discussing it. I've also had two beers over the course of the show. And I'm probably going to have 15 tomorrow. It really came down to this. Do I want to look good or do I want to consume alcohol? Alcohol always wins. I'm going to be in pain in a couple of weeks. Coming up next, something. Now I'm distracted. I'm sad and I'm scared. I'm going to hug Tom for the remainder of the break. It's the Crowley Show. We are live from Carson City Saloon. The Bud Light Happy Hour coming up in 20 minutes. 6 o'clock until 7. Randy Slack. For the final time. Why is everyone leaving me around here? Of course, they're both connected. Randy Slack will be leaving for a job in North Carolina. He's going to be doing a morning show. Good for him. Pay increase. Roll increase. Going to be all up on them airwaves. Going to be a celebrity in no time. And then, of course, Joe Rokicki is going to be bouncing, too, because they're going to give him the DVE morning show job, because why would anybody want to stick with Crowley? Sucks. Son of a bitch. Sad today. Last slack. Penultimate. Bud Light happy hour with Joe Rokicki. Oh my god. During the break, we were discussing what we were going to eat because I've got to eat something because I'm supposed to be the designated driver tonight as my wife and I and some friends are going out to a brewery in the area. And I am shockingly, very rarely, 
the designated driver. Uh, I like libation. Nice. Uh, it's one of the things that gives me hope in this world. Uh, nice. I like being inebriated. Being sober is just a burden for somebody with my anxiety. But we were trying to think of what I could line my stomach with. And we've settled on tenders. Some chicken tenders. Some cutlets. Now, Tom says that he doesn't dip every bite of his chicken in the sauce. Tom says sometimes he just goes straight chicken, will not dip in the sauce. I'm a big honey mustard guy. I'm a big barbecue buy, uh, guy. I'm a big ranch guy. And Tom is telling me that he's not dipping every time. I- I'm perplexed by this. That's, that's what I would do. I would dip every single time. Why do you not? Because sometimes I just like to enjoy the natural flavor that chicken provides. It doesn't need any sauce to, to dress it up. The it, juicy chicken. Enough. I'm telling you, man, the tenders here are... Oh, they're outstanding. They're top shelf. I yeah. stole one from you last time. So you know. I know they're good. Did you dip when you stole it from I me? I did. It doesn't prove my point, then. It doesn't crispy and right? juicy on the inside. Juicy on the inside, so you don't need the sauce on top of it, because the chicken provides the flavor... In itself. I like the flavor that the sauce provides. I like the juiciness and the tenderness that the chicken provides, but I also like the crunch. So I like it all wrapped up in a one nice, neat little package, Tom. And don't tell me I can't do it my way. I'm not going to tell you you can't do it your way. I've just never experienced somebody who hasn't said, I need multiple sauces. Like, if I go to Chick-fil-A, my wife's always getting four of the Chick-fil-A sauces. Why? Because she wants it on every damn bite. If you go to Chick-fil-A, are you telling me that you're only getting one sauce packet? I'm not. It's better to have too much than too little. For sure. So you want two sauces on the side? I do. All right, I'll go get you some chicken tenders. Very good. Tom's going to get himself some chicken tenders, me some chicken tenders, and slack texted Tom and said, could you please get me some chicken tenders? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm dipping it every time. That's just asinine. And I do not respect it. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't mind Mike Sullivan sitting Daniel Sprong down during the Anaheim game. I don't so much like Daniel Sprong sitting the next night. I'm not one to question Mike Sullivan because he's been here for a couple of years and won a couple of Stanley Cups. The guy knows what he's doing. I played hockey at the lowest possible level, which was the Ice Castle D-League, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. That being said, I would rather the message be sent in that first game and Daniel Sprong get the opportunity to play in game number two. I'd rather Daniel Sprong get the opportunity to go out there and show what he can do against the Los Angeles Kings. The Penguins' issue hasn't, I suppose, recently been scoring, but if you think Daniel Sprong is going to be part of the team moving forward, let that message sit for a day and then see if he'll bounce back immediately the next night. I don't like that. As for the Steelers, I'll take a different tack. Next year, Mike Tom is not going anywhere, nor should he. But... Mike Tomlin did not have good enough control over this team this year. And in the playoffs, you're not going to sit Le'Veon Bell. That's not going to happen. Last year, Mike Tomlin was asked about it after the game against Kansas City. Are you thinking about punishing Antonio Brown? And he said, well, that would punish the team too. You're not going to do that in the playoffs. You're not going to sit Le'Veon Bell down for missing most of a walkthrough. Ain't going to happen. 
But during the regular season, when Antonio Brown throws a Gatorade cooler, maybe you sit him for the next game. And maybe that hurts you in the quest for home field advantage, but maybe it helps you out in the end. Maybe it helps your team be more focused. Maybe it helps your team act more professional. Now, I'm one of the guys who said that I don't think that it had a profound impact on the game on Sunday. I don't think that the Steelers' star players who ran their traps were the issue. But where the issue does form is when you have star players causing problems, and really players in general not respecting their authority, to quote Cartman, What happens there is I think that there's a trickle-down effect throughout the roster that maybe you don't need to always be buttoned up. Maybe you don't always need to be on your P's and Q's. That's not a problem with Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan during the playoffs sat Connor Sherry during the playoffs a couple of years ago. Mike Sullivan's not afraid to try to get a message across to one of his players. That might be what he's doing with Ian Cole this year. Perhaps he's just preserving him as a trade chip. But he's not afraid to do those kind of things. And it sends a message, and it makes players realize that they're there to work. Mike Tomlin's done a good job of that whenever you think about training camp and the contact that players have to absorb during training camp that other players around the National Football League don't have to absorb. Hell, the week that they were off, Mike Tomlin had players padded up and going out there hard for the practice. But Mike Tomlin needs not be afraid of his star players during the regular season when they act up. I think if you make James Harrison an example, you make an example of him. Whenever you say, James, you're being an ass, see ya. They should have done that earlier on in the year. Peace. He did it with Garrett Blunt. You gotta do it with the stars. You did it with Martavis Bryant, not a star. You do it maybe with somebody else, with a Le'Veon, with an Antonio, things change there. I think for this year, things got a little too comfortable and a little less workmanlike for the Steelers. And again, don't fire Tomlin. He does not need to be fired. But things need to be changed. And one of the things that could change is the next time a star player acts up, even though they're a star, maybe you spite yourself a little bit, in the long run, it might be better if you just suspend that guy or sit him down for a game or maybe a series. Matt Williamson brought it up in the last hour that maybe the reason we didn't see Le'Veon Bell that first series because he did show up late. But we saw him immediately in the next series and then so on and so forth. You can't punish him in the playoffs, but if you punished him beforehand, maybe these things don't happen in the playoffs. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Mark tweets. Uber and drink. Not a bad decision. Not a bad call. Not the worst thing in the world. Spend a little money, but you have a little bit more fun. It's the cost-benefit analysis, right? Do I really want to spend the money? No. Do I want to get intoxicated? 100%. I'm off on Monday. God knows I'm watching the Jags and Patriots blitzed out of my mind. Because it's going to be painful. It really is. Tom, I'm going to try to work you in here because you're probably going to be the next Joe. Let's pretend Tom Brady does not play on Sunday. How bad is that going to hurt you as a Steelers fan? 
if it's Brian Hoyer and the Steelers miss their opportunity to go to Foxborough, it's almost the ultimate ball-don't-lie situation. The Steelers should have won the first game, but the universe would make it right. And they give the Steelers Brian Hoyer only for the Steelers to throw up all over themselves. I wouldn't be that upset because I think a Brian Hoyer-led Patriots still beat the Jaguars. But they wouldn't have beat the Steelers is the point. That might be so, but the Steelers didn't beat the Jaguars. So that's this what, is a fantasy world that you're living that's in. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, you're nowhere near wow. ready to take over for Joe. I guess not, but those are huge shoes to fill. So, No doubt. That's the point. The point is Brady would have gotten hurt either way. And you miss a huge opportunity if you're the Steelers either way. You get to play the next round and anything can happen in an AFC championship game. But you lose to Jacksonville, and then you find out Brady doesn't play? That does. Okay, oh, yeah. my God. That's like slicing yourself wide open, okay? Taking that gut, slicing it from rib to rib, going outside, grabbing salt, and throwing it in the wound. That is ass. That is awful. Now, I would bet my house, I would bet on my grandmother, I would bet on my grandfather's grave that Tom Brady's going to play in this game. But if he were not to play, that to me would make this Steelers loss, for as big of a failure as it already was, it makes it a cataclysmic failure, maybe one of the worst in franchise history. I mean, how you think about 94, losing to those Chargers, that can't happen. You're that big of a favorite, you can't let that happen. But in this game, with this team, one that Mike Tomlin said should win the championship, you then lose an opportunity to beat Brian Hoyer. Yikes. Or at least a banged-up Brady. That much we do know. Brady's not going to be 100%. How bad's he dinged up? I suppose that's the question. Ian Rappaport tweeted out that he was bleeding profusely yesterday from his thumb. Okay. A paper cut makes that happen, too. Imagine if it were the Steelers, though, Tom. The only thing we'd be talking about right now is whether or not it were James Harrison to have injured Brady. Because we don't know who hurt him. Inside job. Exactly. Tomlin set the plan up there. And this is this is falling right into Tomlin's plan. Right into Tomlin's the plan. The only thing that he didn't follow through on was, was winning the Jaguars. That's it. I'm really upset with the way that the Steelers' defense played in the game on Saturday. And you might think that, okay, Adam, it's Friday. No need to talk about it anymore. But Ed Bouchette of the Post-Gazette tweeted out a story saying that Mike Tomlin called most of the defensive plays this year for the Steelers. I was under the impression that Tomlin had been calling plays. I had been under the impression that Tomlin was very involved in the game plans made by Keith Butler. That Tomlin spent a lot of time in the defensive meeting rooms. But I did not know that he called most of the, most of the plays. I knew he called plays. I didn't know he called most of them. I wish we had Mike Tomlin again in a press conference so that we could have clarified this after. But let's assume everything that Ed wrote is correct. And let's assume that Mike Tomlin did call the majority of the plays on the defensive side. The fact that they got that much worse over the course of the season is a total indictment on Tomlin. And again, you can't fire him, and they shouldn't fire him. He's got the second most wins all time in coach's first 11 seasons. He, he should not be fired. And I think that getting the 13-3 and this year, despite all the distractions was great, even though now I'm starting to think more and more of the distractions can be traced to Tomlin's lack of a culture that creates accountability. But you can't give up 42 points, or 45 points, I suppose it's 38 points, to the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Blake Bortles. 
And for all the people out there calling for Keith Butler, if it's Mike Tomlin who's calling the plays, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And I don't want to play the game of what grade should we place on Mike Tomlin for this season. But all I have to say is, with all the bravado coming in, for the stated goal having been be the number one seed in the AFC, they fell short of that. Win a damn playoff game at home. They fell short of that. They have 45 points, 38 really, to Blake Bortles. Mike Tomlin says prior to the Green Bay Packers game that they should win the championship. Mike Tomlin would tell you that it was a good season with a bad end. I'm paraphrasing, but that's how he opened the press conference on Tuesday. I would tell you that the end has to overshadow anything that happened over the course of the season. And therefore, you cannot refer to the season as a good one with a bad end. To me, if you don't meet your goals, the season is a bad one. And despite being 13-3, and one of the best teams in Steelers history, in terms of record, this season was a bad one. Now, it's all relative. In Buffalo, they'd be, I mean, getting pregnant in the streets for 13-3. and But you know what? Here we expect championships. Mike Tomlin himself told Tony Dungy he expected a championship. And I expected better from these Pittsburgh Steelers. We didn't get it. Randy Slack joins me next. It is the Bud Light Happy Hour. For the last time, I'm losing him. I'm losing Joe. And I've probably offended Tom so much I'm losing him too. It's the Crowley Show.